Okay, welcome to Progressive News Network and the Environmental Justice Report, both shows today with me, Janine Moloff, your producer and host. This week we are doing part three and hopefully our final part on the Cop City series. Uh, to those of you who don't know what Cop City is in Atlanta, Georgia, or perhaps, you know, you haven't been listening you can listen to all the installments on Blog Talk Radio because every single one of our shows are archived, so you can listen to them at any time you so desire. So if you saw the advert today, it's Progressive News Network, or PNN with Janine Moloff, that's me, uh, Cop City Part 3, Police Foundations, and then the second story, Pentagon Swindling. Okay, so... This is the third installment, as I said a second ago, of our series on Cop City and really the systemic rise of what can only be called militarized policing. Now, the discussion this week centers on police foundations, and the word foundations is in quotes, as well as their corporate masters and the increasing police crackdown of what is actually constitutionally protected dissent. And I will name names. The names will be of a few individuals, but also of major corporations. The reason we're focusing on this one uh, proposal in Atlanta, Georgia, Cop City is supposed to be a uh, joint uh, firefighting and police training ground, although the majority of the uh, training would happen for police, and it includes a section not far from actually a a residential neighborhood that's majority black, but also uh, cutting down a major fo urban forest, there would be a uh, a field where they conduct explosives training. I don't know about you, and I don't have any children, but if I did, I really wouldn't want them to have to listen to explosives on a daily basis. Uh, but that's what it is, and you can understand why communities of color don't want it. Now, the second story deals with Pentagon brass in bed with military contractors, also known as corporations, and the same Pentagon's app, app, excuse me, utter inability to pass a simple fiscal audit. Now, apparently, Pentagon brass, the Joint Chiefs, all of that, I guess they thought a trash can for, I think it was an airplane that normally would run $300, I guess they thought paying over $50,000 for that same trash can was a good idea. Go figure. Um, now, keep in mind that while this is going on, the GOP's fine with this waste, but they begrudge little children the equivalent of $6 a day in SNAP benefits so these children don't starve. So, once again, so we're going to have those two stories, then we'll have our next installment of, of course, My Little Margie, as well as our much-coveted Jackass of the Week Award. We have a very special major Jackass this week that will receive our illustrious award, and part of the award, uh, we're going to have, I have a nice recording of Randy Rainbow giving us his political insight. So, with no further ado, let's move on with the show. So if you were listening to the last couple of weeks, we were talking about, once again, these uh, cop city. And it started out with the fact in part one that cop city, again, as I said a second ago, 
it's a, it's proposed to be a training ground for firefighters and police, although most of it is police. And it would include not only training with militarized weapons, such as tanks and helicopters, but also an explosives range. And I believe part of the proposed uh, 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 in, installment is not too far from an elementary school. Again, majority of the children there happen to be children of color. I don't know about you. I wouldn't want children that I know or love listening to explosives like that. It would be terrifying. But once again, that's what's happened. And so there was this major protest, series of protests, actually, by people from all walks of life. We're talking environmental uh, activists. We're talking activists, yes, from Black Lives Matter, but also from other groups as well, from churches and, you know, from local community groups that are all against this. Where the proposed cop city in Atlanta would be situated is right now in this, where this large urban forest is. And this urban forest is considered to be, quote, one of the four lungs of Atlanta. So it's one of the few green spaces. It's a historic old growth forest. But they're pushing ahead anyway, even though majority of the public doesn't want it especially the people that live in the area. Also, to add further insult to injury in terms of environmental racism, uh, that forest is also situated through what was called the Trail of Tears. So those of you know Trail of Tears, that's when U.S. government led a genocidal march of indigenous Native American peoples through the wilderness, hoping they would just drop dead, you know, along the way. So once again, if you're uncomfortable with the mention of systemic racism, well, this isn't the program for you. You know, if you want to hate me for it, well, excuse me, folks, I got a little water here. If you want to hate on me for continually talking about the evil of systemic racism and the truth of it, well... Then to borrow a quote from Franklin Delano Roosevelt, I welcome your hate. I truly do. All right, let's move on. So part two, that was part one. And in part one with Cop City, these the dissent, these uh, peaceable protests resulted in, for one, the murder of a young activist. And let's see, you know, I, his, he's known as Torgutita. I, I apologize for mispronouncing this young man's, um, you know, this young man's name. All right, but he was a peaceable environmental activist. He was 26 years old, and the Atlanta police decided that he posed a danger because he sat there cross-legged and refused to get up. Okay, and he was in their way. So the Atlanta police on on on. Uh, on site there, pumped 57 bullets into him. Afterwards, the Atlanta police on site lied about it, claimed that he was holding a gun threatening them. Except that upon autopsy, there was absolutely no gunpowder residue on the young man's hands. Again, he was 26 years old at the time of his murder. He, the autopsy also uh, concluded that he was seated cross-legged at the time that he was murdered. There's no way he could have done what the cops said. Um, but again, 
the police, I, my theory is they wanted to cause a riot so they'd have an excuse to just arrest everybody. Since then, when activists from different groups uh, put flyers in the neighborhood of the cops that were responsible for the murder, uh, and again, they didn't put it in mailboxes, nothing like that. They just distributed flyers like on a lawn or something. And um, the DOJ decided to pursue terrorism charges against those people. So make no mistake about it. This isn't just about stopping this police training ground or about militarized police. That's a big part of it. This is also about a crackdown on constitutional, constitutionally pre, uh, protected dissent. Make no mistake. This is about criminalizing constitutionally protected dissent, unless, of course, you're rich enough and white enough. Let's be honest about it. Okay, so that was part one. Part two, we discussed, you know, basically the political ties that bind. And on part three, we're going to discuss now the big money in more detail behind not only Cop City in Atlanta, but nationwide. Now, Cop City uh, is uh, part of a master plan. It's concocted by moneyed interests to blight areas so that land and other resources can be purchased for a fraction of their actual worth. Then they'll coerce local and state governments to fund the infrastructure with our tax dollars, ironically, coming from the same people that have been systemically booted from their communities and then further criminalizing any justifiable dissent. This is not happening by accident or happenstance. This is part of a national plan, make no mistake about it. And organizations calling themselves Police foundations are, in my opinion, the corporate-funded capos or legalized protection rackets uh, with the blessings uh, that, that are legalized protection rackets that have basically been formed to attack any dissent, and all with the blessings of both white and black politicians. So part three of the Cop City series, we're going to discuss the role of these police foundations specifically. Keep in mind, these groups that call themselves police foundations, they are not the same as actual police departments. These are classified technically as nonprofits, but they're funded by big money. And their, their role is to influence, and I'll just call it out, their role is to coerce politicians and weaponize government against the non-rich, non-white, non-conservative, non-Christian citizens daring to, you know, wrongfully believe that the United States is an actual democracy. Essentially, police foundations are, in my opinion, illegitimate actors who should themselves be criminally investigated for what crime? Influence peddling. So the police foundations, the money behind Cop City. This is an article, a source I'm citing, from none other than Forbes, hardly a radical liberal site. The headline to this piece that was published a few months ago in March, <clears throat> Cops and Donuts Go Together More Than You Thought, The Corporations Funding Cop City in Atlanta by Morgan Simon. Now, when you're talking about police foundations, the Atlanta Police Foundation is the second largest police foundation in the entire nation, second only to the New York City Police Foundation. And the whole country has witnessed the corruption in New York City police. So, now, corporations 
they want it both ways. So I'm going to take a little drink of water here so I have my voice holds out. Corporations want it both ways. You've seen recently, after Black Lives Matter and after the George Floyd racial justice protests, whether it's George Floyd, Eric Garner, Richard Brooks, uh, we can go on down the line. Corporations want to look like they're doing the right thing because they recognize that the black market is money. Okay, But they also want the illegitimate protection of police departments that are basically beholden to police foundations. Okay? There's this this corruption is systemic. So corporations made billions of dollars uh basically making a commitment verbally anyway to racial justice uh especially after the murder of George Floyd. All right? And this is as documented by the Washington Post business section. And according to this piece in Forbes, basically these corporations want that, you know, that halo effect, okay, making it look like they're the good guys, all right, not the bad guys, you know, because, again, these corporations realize that the United States is becoming increasingly diverse, and they don't want to lose that business. Now, what's less known, though, and it's quite ironic is the equal support that these same corporations give to the expansion, quote, and increased militarization of police departments this past decade through organizations called police foundations in cities such as Atlanta, New York, Louisville, and Los Angeles, end quote. So police foundations, you have to understand something, have no accountability. They have zero accountability to anyone other than their corporate masters. <clears throat> you have to realize that I don't think they should be allowed to call themselves a police foundation. That's a little bit of trickery and deceit in terms of their name because the average person assumes police foundation, that must be related to the police retirement fund and the police department. <clears throat> Wrong. A police foundation is a private group that is funded by private corporations, period. And their purpose is to give legalized bribes in the in the form of equipment, bonus pay, whatever you want to call it, to public police departments. Notice, I'm not making a wild accusation. It's founded, and I say, these are technically legalized bribes. They're unethical, but they're technically legal, even though they shouldn't be. So, well, you know, the government sends tax dollars to police departments and there's a certain amount of accountability there and oversight police foundations don't have to answer to anyone except their private boards of directors which are basically um you know made up of corporations you know basically executives from the corporations that give them their money you know hello fox meat hen house bon appetit so, and I'm going to be discussing a few of those in another report that's uh, been created by a group called Little Sis. In fact, there, this particular Forbes article mentions a 2021 report that was co-written by Color of Change and Little Sis. And in that report, they documented, quote, 1,200 corporations, including the parent core of Dunkin' Donuts, Atlanta-based Inspire, Atlanta Inspire Brands, funding 
23 police foundations nationally for almost $60 million in 2019, the most recent year cited by the report, end quote. Okay? Now, it gets more specific, all right? So, for instance, on June 18th, according to this Forbes article in 2020, that's the same week of Richard Brooks' funeral, the Atlanta Police Foundation announced that they were going to give a $500 bonus for each police officer, and that's as documented from wpolicefoundations.org. Okay? Um, Fox News predicted, well, Fox News, talking about the ultimate oxymoron, right? You know, Fox News is like saying military intelligence or, you know, what? Trump's intelligence. It's definitely an oxymoron. But Fox News reported that this was a difficult time for police officers, you know, the week of Richard Brooks' murder, police murder, to quote <laughs> from um, Fox5Atlanta.com, quote, Fulton County prosecutors brought felony murder and other charges against the now ex-officer who shot Richard Brooks, saying that Brooks was not a deadly threat and that the officer kicked the wounded black man and offered no medical treatment for over two minutes as he lay dying on the ground. Another officer is being charged with aggravated assault, end quote. So because the police officers were upset that one of their own was facing criminal charges, and he should because, you know, he murdered somebody, um, they just, you know, the police foundation in Atlanta decided we're going to give all the other officers a $500 bonus because, you know, their little feelings are hurt. Talk about snowflakes. According to Forbes, these payments to every officer amounted to a grand total of over $2 million. And that's, again, is documented by the Washington Post. Now, Keep in mind, a few months later, according to this article, the city council, in a unanimous vote, paid off Richard Brooks' family with $1 million, as documented by NPR.org, in order to compensate for the harm, according to this article, caused by police conduct, end quote. In other words, they tried to pay the family to compensate for the fact that, you know, their police murdered their loved one for no reason. Now... You have to understand what this means. The Atlanta Police Foundation, their goal is to serve the police force, but they're only accountable to their corporate board of directors and maybe the IRS. But why – we have to ask you this question, okay? So the Atlanta Police Foundation gave a $500 bonus to every cop in the Atlanta Police Department the week of Richard Brooks funeral. That's a de facto bribe. It may be technically legal, but that's what it is. It's a de facto bribe. So my question is this. Why are cops allowed to accept de facto bribes that will land other public employees in jail? And even Forbes, you know, says, quote, this is in the Forbes article, quote, Could you, can you imagine if politicians like the mayor of Atlanta or the governor of Georgia were allowed to accept bonuses from private foundations or corporate donors? or if teachers at public schools could accept lavish gifts from parents of their employers. So why can police and why can corporations? End quote. Well, the sad part, again, <laughs> Forbes is trying to do a decent job, but it's kind of a stupid question because politicians accept legalized bribes from corporations all the time. 
both Democrats and Republicans, but that's another story. Okay, this one's got me really wound up. A little more water. So hopefully these reports will enlighten you as to what these police foundations are. Give you some more examples. Uh, Excuse me. According to the L.A. Times, um, earlier this year, quote, I'm reading straight from Forbes, quote, the L.A. Times covered the relatively hidden multi-million dollar fundraising arm of the LAPD. Is it any wonder, then, that with corporations and their executives bankrolling police foundations, problems like wage theft or corporations illegally underpay already low-wage workers still vastly exceed all the types of property crime in the U.S., end quote. I'm going to read that one again. This is a direct quote from this Forbes article, okay? And I'm going to start with the beginning. Quote, the public has been learning more about these foundations. For instance, earlier this year, the L.A. Times covered the relatively hidden multi-million dollar fundraising arm of the LAPD. Is it any wonder, then, that with corporations and their executives bankrolling police foundations, problems like wage theft, where corporations illegally underpay already low-wage workers, still vastly exceed all the other types of property crime in the U.S., end quote. And that last question is as documented by epi.org, and it's a report on wage theft. If a conservative publication like Forbes has a writer that can ask this, you know, relevant question, you have to wonder how far involved is this? I mean, this is really, must be pretty egregious because Forbes wouldn't normally do that. And the article points out that, you know, other public employees like teachers, frontline healthcare workers, you know, whether it's paramedics, EMTs, uh, ambulance drivers, whatever, um, you know, again, you don't hear stories about corporations giving individual teachers or individual principals millions of dollars or, you know, paid bonuses. They might give to the school district or to certain superintendents. They don't give to individual teachers, okay? It doesn't happen. So, you know, you have to figure corporations are going to give these donations, you know, expecting something in return. So why focus on the police department? Well, think about it. Go back all the way to Occupy Wall Street where, you know, young people pointed out the fact that, you know, the public is being ripped off by big banks and corporate. All right. They had to find a way to discredit the protesters, even though the facts were in were on the protester side. So they had the police crack down. They had the police cause, you know, riots. You know, look you don't have to look any further than Ferguson. I was down there. You know, I have friends and fam I have friends that have said Oh, well, you know, they were wild down there. And I would ask them, were you down there? And they'd go, no, but I saw news. Nah, wrong. I was down in Ferguson practically every single day. And I personally witnessed police from not just the Ferguson Department, Ferguson Police Department, but police from um, the St. Louis County Police Department, uh, from uh Every county police department, whether it was Lindbergh, Clayton, Ledoux, uh, you can go on down the line, Afton, Fenton, whatever. They were all down there, 
and I personally witnessed them abusing people. Now, while it's true there were wildfires in Ferguson late at night, most of the protesters had already gone home. You know, if you're the bottom line is if you live in a smaller city and it's not New York or LA, you know, after midnight, one in the morning, most things close down. So if you're still out and about, you're up to no good anyway. Those were people that nobody in the movement knew. But during the day, you saw police abuse people. All right. I was threatened by police because I dared to stand still on a hot summer day for I think it was more than five seconds. It was a five-second rule. I have COPD and I'm asthmatic, and I had my inhaler out, clearly, about to take a puff. And a St. Louis County police officer said, keep moving or go to jail. I went, excuse me? For what? Five-second rule. You have to keep moving or go to go to jail. On I said, what law backs that up? The law of the sidewalk. And I went, so if I have a major asthma attack where I go into respiratory arrest, I'm not breathing at all, and I hit the pavement, oh, we'll get you, he said, we'll get you an ambulance eventually. So if I die, it's okay, sure. Now, I'm five foot two, and this officer was well over six feet tall. Okay, I had posed no danger other than he wanted an excuse to abuse me. And I admit I was wearing my hair ethnically. So it wasn't, I don't have white girl hair, so you could just see what he was thinking. Maybe a little assumption on my part, but I was down there. You know, I personally witnessed police abusing an elderly gentleman. He must have been at least 90, and he was bent over on a cane, and he really should have been either in a wheelchair or a walker. And he just had really bad scoliosis. And the poor gentleman was just trying to get across the street to the doctor. And you could just tell he was having a hard time. And I was helping him. The same cop said the same thing. Finally, I barked him. said, what's wrong with you? You know? And then finally, a white shirt came over, which is a supervisor. What's wrong here? Your officer's harassing this gentleman. By the way, I'm press. Do you really want to be part of the story? They just left us alone. But I saw myself. So once again, why are these corporations funding police? Because they want the police. There there are thugs. They're called police officers more often than not. And they are paid off by corporate in legalized bribes. Whether it's a bonus, whether it's extra equipment, or whether it's extra duty pay that is at an hourly wage that is triple or quadruple what they normally get. Guess what? You don't bite the hand that feeds you. Let's get real. That's what's going on. Okay? This is no different than the old protection racket operated by the mafia. That's what it is. This is, this is these police foundations are paying what are constitute technically legal bribes. So the police can act as, quote, in my opinion, unofficial corporate protection. That's why. Our public police departments are acting like private mercenary armies for corporate. That's my opinion. I stand by it. Okay? Cop City and corporate funding. Again, the Atlanta Police Department has a budget of $236 million just in 2022, and that's as documented by atlantaciviccircle.org. But they were able to get approval for a $90 million project dubbed Cop City, according to 11alive.com. Again, the proposal includes a plan to 
excuse me, build an 85-acre, I'm reading straight from this, an 85-acre, quote, facility in an unincorporated forested area of, DeKal of DeKalb County that would serve as a training facility for Atlantic police, end quote. Now, the Atlanta Police Foundation agreed to help fundraise $60 million right next to the city's $30 million, again, uh, as documented by 11alive.com. Now, now, this I'm going to read you here something that's in the Forbes article. This isn't me saying it. It's this conservative uh, paper. Quote, if the one who has or donates the gold makes the rules, this would structurally provide the corporate voices that govern the Atlanta Police Foundation an outsized voice in this project's future. End quote. 11 Alive, which is, <laughs> excuse me, I've been citing, is also Atlanta's local NBC affiliate. Excuse me. So 11 Alive is the local NBC affiliate for Atlanta, Georgia. And they said the following, quote, the Atlanta Police Foundation's board is filled with executives from nearly all of Atlanta's big-name companies like Delta, Waffle House, The Home Depot, Georgia Pacific, Equifax, Carter, Accenture, Wells Fargo, and UPS, and that's just some of them. And according to this Forbes article, quote, it reads like a who's who of corporate Atlanta. I'm going to say that one again. This is from the Forbes article. Quote, it reads like a who's who of corporate Atlanta. That's what's on the Atlanta Police Foundation's board. Now, with all this corporate support, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the Atlanta Police Department is very well funded. They have more employees than any other police foundation in the United States. And their top executive is paid more than any other head of a police foundation, uh, earning over $476,000 a year. And that's according to projects.propublica.org. Now, there's been opposition to this project for two basic reasons, again, according to Forbes. I don't know if we're going to get through all this tonight, today. I'm going to try my best. Um, first, People are worried about the fact that this facility would also would also increase and be a uh, not only police militarization but would be quote a police militarization facility as documented by TeenVogue.com. Don't laugh at Teen Vogue; they've got some really good articles in there. I'm stunned. Um, now, there was a fourth generation resident in that area that went to a local council meeting and said, according to TheGuardian.com, quote, I don't want my children to grow up hearing explosions, end quote, because of the bomb training uh, facility that's proposed there. Now, this is where it gets really damning. In Georgia, you have a Republican governor, Brian Kemp. Kemp is despicable, okay? He is the, um, uh, you know, the, the, his ancestors were major slave owners. Um, he is a major Trumper. You know, his racism is palpable. He was a big part of the stop the steal nonsense. And he, you know, just dismisses opposition to the project. It's just These are just a bunch of outsiders interfering in local projects. But that's damning enough. What's really hideous is that the Democratic mayor of Atlanta, Andre Dickens, who is a black man, also made the same dismissed statement saying that it's just, you know, outsiders. 
But according to the Guardian.com, quote, locals packed zoning board appeal meetings. They weren't outsiders. They were locals, quite a few of them. So that's one one reason for opposition. The second opposition reason uh, is, you know, its location. It would require destroying up to 400 acres of what's called the South River Forest, which is considered, quote, a vital headwater for an ecological keystone for the region, and that's as documented by southriverforest.org. This goes on to say, quote, this adds insult to historic injury given the land was already stolen from the Muscogee Creek people forced out during the U.S. genocidal effort to relocate Native peoples to present-day Oklahoma, better known as the Trail of Tears, end quote. That's from Forbes. Um, You know, there's a quote here from a resident who lives less than 200 feet, 250 feet, that is, from the forest. Her name's Amy Taylor, and she serves on a community advisory committee um, that's trying to direct community feedback to the project. And she appealed to the city of Atlanta, according to Decaturish.com, <laughs> excuse me, saying the following, quote, <laughs> excuse me, quote, this is one of the most notorious landscapes of environmental injustice. Atlanta can move the project, but you cannot move South River Forest, end quote. So let's follow the money. In September 8th, 2022, there was an update from the Atlanta Police Foundation, and it was posted online by the Atlanta Community Press Collective. And it was this Public Safety First campaign, which is their, I guess, their public relations, public relations, I'm just going to say bullshit, uh, to try and justify this $90 million campaign that has a $60 million philanthropic goal. Okay. Now, the document states uh, apparently on page 20 that $46.3 million has been raised so far. Now, The Atlanta Police Foundation refers to Cop City as, quote, the Public Safety Training Center. Um, 30 million, the city's going to be held up for 30 million for this, for something that the long-term residents don't want at all, the corporate does. Okay? And Andre Dickens should hang his head in shame. You know, it's bad enough when a bigot works with systemic racism and it, and environmental racism, but when it's, you know, when it's a person of color, you know what, every group has their, you know, their traitors, he's one of them. I don't care if the Democratic Party likes them or not, okay? So here is a list of corporate contributors, okay? Um, and you can find the full list on the cloud, but these are, these. here is a sample of corporate contributors to the Public Safety First campaign, <clears throat> excuse me, and the amounts they've contributed as of, you know, according to this article, I guess, March of 23. Hmm. Number one, Bank of America and Merrill Lynch uh, together contributed $360,000. Chick-fil-A, a million dollars. Coca-Cola, a million dollars. Jay Davis, which is the national distributing company, 100000 Gas South, one hundred fifty five thousand. Georgia Pacific, two hundred fifty thousand. Brent Scarborough Company Inc., a hundred thousand. Norfolk Southern, a hundred thousand. 
Tony Ressler, who is the majority owner of the Atlanta Hawks NBA team, $1 million. Rollins, whoever that is, $5 million. Austin Stevens, 250000 And UPS, $1 million. Now, the Forbes article said they did request for comment to corporations, uh, namely Bank of America and Gas South, did clarify that their donations allegedly were earmarked for something called the At Promise Youth Initiative and that neither, corpor- neither corporation wanted to fund the training center. We don't know how true that is, but that's what they claim. The other corporations and the individuals on the list did not respond to any requests for comment. Okay? So, then the question was asked, quote, so is this $60 million going to the training facility or elsewhere? End quote. The Atlanta Police Foundation, no comment. Okay? They were requested comment. They failed to, they did not, they did not offer any comment. Then there was another document that presented a pie chart, and this was as documented by the Atlanta Police Foundation.org, by their own website. And it noted that, quote, $30 million of the campaign was destined for the training facility, but then that would imply that another $30 million needed to be raised as well, end quote. And so, you know, the article's asking, clear as mud, okay? Again, where's the other $30 million going? We don't know. Um, community members that are in this, what's known as the Stop Cop City movement, they filed an open records request with the Atlanta Police Foundation to find out, you know, how much money is going where, or is it going to the training ground, or is it going to something else? Um, you know, again, keep in mind, the, the Police Foundation, the Atlanta Police Foundation is a nonprofit. There is IRS-mandated transparency requirements but as far as we know thus far, they, that the Atlanta Police Department, I'm, I'm sorry, the Atlanta Police Foundation has not fulfilled their requirement of IRS-mandated transparency requirements. They just haven't done it yet. We don't know. Okay. Uh, again, public, Forbes asked the question, public safety or corporate safety? And that's, we're getting to the nitty-gritty here. If Forbes can say it, good God, you know. Why isn't CNN and the others reporting? So keep in mind, nonprofits get tax preferential status. The idea being that they're supposed to be giving to a positive social mission that's approved by the IRS. Um, But, you know, and usually they're uncontroversial, but with police foundations, research organization called Little Sis noted, quote, in 2011, J.P. Morgan gave the New York City Police Foundation $4.6 million, turning the NYPD into a militarized presence during Occupy Wall Street, end quote. This goes on to explain how Heidi Bogosian of the National Lawyers Guild explained that that created an appearance of, quote, the police protecting corporate interests rather than protecting the First Amendment rights of the people, end quote. Well, it's the appearance of that because that's exactly what they did. You know, you didn't see them arresting Donald Trump for any number of crimes, but God forbid if, you're, if you were part of Occupy asking questions, they were going to beat you up and, you know, send you to prison. And it wasn't just in New York. We had even a town as conservative as St. Louis. We had an Occupy protest here. And I remember... We had it downtown. I was there, and I was still publishing with HuffPost at the time. 
And um, the police were starting to kettle. And those of you who don't know what kettling is, that's when the police on bicycles and in cars and on foot, whatever, on horseback even, they surround you and they start moving in, okay? And, you know, I saw police, you know, almost knock down people on horseback. And I knew what they were doing. And most of the crowd then was, you know, skinny teenagers, elderly people, small women. And the police were very bold then. They hadn't attacked us yet, but you could tell it was coming. And then some of us called Teamsters because this had to do with, you know, their right to unionize as well. And these big guys came from Teamsters. And the minute the cops saw these big pipe fitters and others show up, they backed off. It was a beautiful sight. I could have hugged these men, okay? But that shows you the cowardly um, approach that police have, okay? So, you know, I agree with what Heidi Bogosian of the National Lawyers Guild said that, you know, it did give the appearance of, quote, police protecting corporate interests rather than protecting First Amendment rights of the people, end quote. It created the appearance. I would amend that statement because it wasn't just the appearance. It's the truth. You know, more than once, not just in New York City, I've been in D.C., you know, different marches, whether it was the Women's March or, you know, other marches. And, you know, if you had, for instance, a small sign that was critical, say, of George W. Bush's administration, and you wanted to just sightsee a little bit, you're still carrying your sign, let's say, under your arm to go to, like, the Lincoln Memorial. And I had cops that you can't come in here with that. You have to get off. It's like, excuse me, you can't have any political anything, no sign, your shirt, you have to turn, I, I can't take my shirt off, I said, turn it inside out, go into a bathroom and do that. Mind you, we couldn't do that or we would face arrest, but look at January 6th. So once again, this idea that the police are impartial is just an absolutely stupid lie. So, you know. Let's look at nonprofits, okay? These police foundations, they claim, we're non for profit. We're here to do good. Okay, let's look at nonprofits. Let's make no mistake about it. The rich pay their fair share in taxes, okay? And we really had a sliding scale. We wouldn't need so many nonprofits. Let's face it, nonprofits are undemocratic. That's, you know, basically they allow the people that have a lot of money to kind of determine how they're, you know, what they're going to give their money to in lieu of taxes. So instead of paying taxes, Bill Gates, for instance, will give to some group that, one, he'll get the good publicity, he'll get the tax break, and he'll get to decide how the money's spent. Because, you know, rich people think they're too good to lower themselves to pay for things that we're all supposed to contribute to. That's what that's about. So... You know, according to even Forbes, it says, quote, even the best of nonprofits are fundamentally undemocratic as they allow people with money across the political spectrum to prioritize their perspective of how a problem should be solved instead of letting leadership come from the communities that are most affected by any particular decision or social policy, end quote. And that's the important part, that phrase, instead of letting leadership come from the communities that are most affected. Why should the rich who live elsewhere determine what happens in the poorer sections of Atlanta? You know, last week we talked about how 
Atlanta's being gentrified and how lower income people are being pushed out and then criminalized for being poor. This is all part of the plan. There is no difference here. Okay? And so that's why if you have a dem- truly democratically elected government that is not plagued with influence peddling, and if we had stiff penalties for influence peddling, we would actually be able to make decisions that really were fair to all. We don't have that. Okay? So, you know, and and the hypocrisy. You've got Tony Ressler, who owns an NBA team in Atlanta, Chick-fil-A, UPS, Coca-Cola, Norfolk Southern. They've all made these racial equity commitments after the mur- police murder of George Floyd, you know. But then they back the very police foundation that is funding this police brutality. Make no mistake about it. Because they want that privilege. They want to, corporations and the rich want to be like basically landed barons, like aristocracy that is above the law. And the police are their thug enforcers. Make no mistake about it. That's why they're cracking down on constitutionally protected dissent. So. The, uh, again, the Forbes article says, quote, for example, UPS start, talks about, quote, creating social impact, advancing diversity, equity, and inclusion, and building stronger communities, end quote. Yeah, but they still gave to the same police foundation that's cracking skulls and murdering innocents. Tony Ressler, owner of the Atlanta Hawks. He's also founder of Apollo Global Management. He has, quote, previously committed tens of millions to racial equity, and that's uh, as documented by bizjournals.com. Okay, they contribute to the same police foundation that murdered Targetita. Atlanta and Southern staple Coca-Cola, quote, promised to take a deep look at what it could do to end the cycle of systemic racism, and that's as documented by coca-colacompany.com and southernliving.com. Again, Gave money to the same police foundation that is funding police brutality. Maybe indirectly, but they are. Make no mistake about it. And I'll say indirectly. They're not directly funding police brutality. Police foundations are indirectly funding that through an assortment of gifts. This is influence peddling. It may be technically legal influence peddling, but it's influence peddling nonetheless. Okay, so this is what we're talking about. Now, investors that are worried about these problems have um, formed a coalition of investors and advocates. It's led by Justice Capital, and they reached out to multiple corporations, including UPS, Chick-fil-A, and Coca-Cola, questioning their, you know, relationship with the Atlanta Police Foundation and any potential involvement in Cop City. Eric Glass of Justice Capital, this is the group that is, again, representing investors, this coalition of investors and advocates that are concerned about this abuse. Eric Glass of Justice Capital said, quote, corporations need to be consistent in word and deed, and we the public should hold them accountable for those words and deeds. Someone in the C-suite needs to ask the question, does contributing to a police foundation or a militarized training facility 
align with our proclamations and declarations around racial justice, as well as diversity, equity, and inclusion. Corporations need to answer to their customers and to the public writ large when they fail to walk the walk and talk the talk, end quote. So that's the article, the documentation from, again, Forbes, uh, written by Morgan Simon. It was published uh, a few months ago in March of 23. Now, I'm going to check our time here because you know what? I don't know if we're going to get to the second story today. If we don't, I'll let you know and we'll put it on the back end. It just is what it is. Sometimes I don't always time these exactly right. And I don't want to break up this story because this story is important. Okay. The other story we know, you know, people joke about how the Pentagon will pay, you know, $10,000 for, you know, a roll of toilet paper, something insane. Nothing new there. So we may get to that next week. I'm not sure yet. So now we have another article here. This is from The Guardian, a British newspaper. It was published March 22nd, 2023, and it was written by Nina Lacani. Hmm. A little more water. Again, more of the same. Um, exclusive, quote, Rourke Capital and Silver Lake Management showed to have a web of connections to the Atlanta Police Foundation. So there was a new investigation that uncovered these connections between private equity firms. And, okay, I'm going to read this exactly as is because I don't want to get this wrong. Okay, quote, a new investigation has uncovered connections between private equity firms and the contentious development of a sprawling police and fire service training complex in Atlanta known as Cop City and the police force which fatally shot an environmental activist, end quote. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> this is important. Now, a lot of us, we don't really know. We hear the term private equity, private equity firms all the time. I have no idea what it is. Well, if you knew what private equity was, you'd be outraged. You'd be demanding an answer, why is this even permitted? Unlike banks that you and I, you know, put our money into, unlike pension funds that have to provide some transparency and accountability so you can see where the money goes, um, things like that, private equity is different. I'm going to read this exactly as that, as uh, Nina Lacani wrote, quote, this is interesting, quote, private equity refers to an opaque form of financing away from public markets in which funds and investors manage money for wealthy individuals and institutional investors such as university endowments and state employee pension funds, end quote. Okay. The part of that sentence that you need to be concerned about is, quote, private equity refers to an opaque form of financing away from public markets. Okay. In other words, they're not held to any level of transparency. And if you don't have transparency, you can't have accountability. You know, I was a special ed uh, teacher for a long time. And when you're getting your training, the first two things you learn is accountability. You know, holding people accountable. In other words, holding people responsible for their actions. But the second part of that formula is transparency. Now, basically, you have to have clear records that are easily understood to see what, what's happening, who's doing what, where'd the money go, all of that. If you don't have transparency where you have clear, open records as to what has happened, then there's no way you can 
legitimately hold people responsible or accountable. So any fund, any group of people that's so wealthy, they say, gosh, we want to invest our money, but, you know, we don't want transparency, then they're up to no good. If you're legitimate, you have no problems with showing what you're doing and when you're doing it and who you're doing it to. If you're legitimate, you should have no problems with transparency at all. Without transparency, you can't hold people or groups accountable, period. And that's what it is, okay? Now, going on with this article here, quote, research shared exclusively with The Guardian details links between Rourke Capital, an Atlanta-based private equity firm which owns the country's second largest restaurant company, Inspire Brands, and a corporate backer of the Atlanta Police Foundation, end quote. And this research uh, is as documented by Pest, what is it, P-E, uh, PestTakeholder.org. Okay. Now, you have to see, okay, who's Inspire Brands? Well, the CEO of, Paul, of Inspire Brands, a man named Paul Brown, and the portfolio that, you know, of companies that are under the Inspire Brands umbrella includes Dunkin' Donuts, Baskin Robbins, and Arby's. And those also those execs also sit on the board of trustees of the Atlanta Police Foundation. Okay. Now, according to this article, quote, police foundations are nonprofits which raise private money from individual and corporate donors that is funneled to police departments with little oversight or accountability, end quote. Okay, if it's a public entity, there must be transparency and accountability. And if the Atlanta Police Foundation doesn't want to provide that, then the Atlanta Police Department should not be allowed to accept their money or their gifts. Because there's a term for that. It's called influence peddling, graft, bribery, corruption. It may be technically legal, but it shouldn't be. Okay? Now, the Atlanta Police Foundation, according to this article, has also helped the Atlanta Police Department uh, be able to fund not only recruitment drives, but also help them fund surveillance cameras and SWAT team equipment. Now, what you all don't know is this. Atlanta is the most surveyed city in the, enti- in the entire United States. And it uses a company that has also been used, that uh, uh, also provides surveillance on the West Bank. It's that corrupt. Okay? And when I say Atlanta is the most surveyed city, it's, it's surveyed in a group called Operation Shield. Okay? Now, Silver Lake Management is a Silicon Valley firm. And it is, according to this article, quote, one of the world's largest tech-focused private equity firms, okay, end quote. Now, apparently, Silver Lake Management invested more than a billion, with a B, in Motorola Solutions. Now, Motorola designed and implemented the surveillance system for Operation Shield. Now, this is based on a new report by a group called Private Equity Stakeholder Project, which is at PESP. Okay, I didn't see it correctly. So once again, the study I was early, the research I was early referring to from Pest Stakeholder. Yeah, it was from that group, from the Private Equity Stakeholder Project. Okay. Now, 
Motorola's been criticized in the past. They again, they're the company they give the high they provide high tech surveillance that's used not only in US prisons, but also on the US Mexico border and in the West Bank. And apparently Motorola is so vilified at this point that there's quite a few European pension funds that have divested. They've pulled their investment from Motorola and um they were included in a UN list of companies, quote, that has raised particular human rights concerns, end quote. So, you know, once again, Operation Shield. My question is this. If you have money for SNAP benefits to feed hungry children, if you don't have money to properly fund your your public schools, if you don't have money for public health, you don't have money spending you, – you shouldn't have – you shouldn't be wasting money on stupid surveillance. But, you know, once again, keep in mind, Atlanta's become very, very gentrified. So <clears throat> you've got all these affluent professionals, white professionals, but not always white, but some, and they come in to the city and everything's got to be just like, you know, they want an urban experience without having an urban experience. They, they want urban experience to look like Disneyland. And they're full of crap. So they they deal more with this, and I don't want to go on with this too long because we spent a lot of time on this, actually. Um, you know, once again, private equities, really, it's scary. According to this article, unlike, as I said before, unlike banks and even publicly listed companies, according to this article, quote, private equity firms are exempt from most financial disclosure rules. I'm going to read that again. This is according to this article, that unlike banks and other publicly listed companies, quote, private equity firms are exempt from most financial disclosure rules. My question is why? Why are we allowing private equity firms to stay in the shadows? Okay? That means that, I, you know, I'm I'm a pensioner, okay, for my teacher's pension. For all I know, my teacher's pension plan may be invested in that and I don't want it invested in that and we don't know we could be contributing to the same criminal surveillance and the same police abuse with our pension contributions you know there is a report titled private equity profits from destroying the Atlanta forest forest and again it's another um, excuse me it is another uh, report prepared by the Private Equity Stakeholder Project. I encourage you to actually read it. Okay, it's going to you know, it, it's it's going to uncloak all the secrecy or a lot of it. Now, Work Capital themselves they invest in franchises, fast food chains, um, companies also lobbied against a federal minimum wage. There was a 2020 report by the Government Accountability Office um, that, quote, found employees at some Rourke brands were among the most frequent recipients of food stamps in some states. So this is corporate welfare writ large. And one of the things we have to realize is we can no longer allow this to continue. Why are we allowing private equity firms to basically evade what should be legally mandated rules on transparency and subsequent accountability. That's absurd. There is no legitimate reason for it. You know, 
And again, you have to ask yourself questions. If you're a private equity firm, what are you trying to hide? You know, if you're a private equity firm, what are they hiding? Are they hiding money laundering on a massive level? It's a good question. I'd love to see DOJ investigate them. I truly would. So once again, this is, you know, what's going on here. Um, keep in mind, when you're talking about the Atlanta Police Department, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here. Uh, Little Sis is a corporate finance watchdog group that provided some of these reports as well. And according to Little Sis, they said the following, quote, Police foundations act as a back channel for corporate and wealthy interests by funding policing even further, adding to already inflated, overinflated budgets without any required public oversight, approval, or accountability, end quote. Again, like I said before. And in Atlanta, it's not like there aren't poor people in Atlanta. There are. And get this. Of Atlanta's $700 million budget in 2022, the police department already got a third of Atlanta's budget. A third. Okay. Got to think about that for a minute here. Now. The Atlanta Police the bleh, excuse me the Atlanta Police Foundation also received quote a record 11.7 million in donations in 2021, a figure according to this article likely to rise since Georgia passed new legislation expanding personal tax breaks last year. Quote: In addition to funding the police directly, the city has also given the APF Atlanta Police Foundation more than 3.6 million since 2016 for SWAT team equipment license plate readers, and thousands of cameras for Operation Shield, end quote. Why is the city giving public dollars to a private foundation? That's what I'd ask Mayor Dickens. I'm going to ask that question again. Why is the city giving public tax dollars to a for-profit, well, it's non-for-profit, but to a private foundation? I'm telling, I want Mayor Dickens to answer that question. Okay. Now, one of the quotes from, uh, about police foundations is the following, quote, when it comes to policing, which already faces severe accountability and transparency issues, private equity involvement adds an additional layer of opaqueness. This report is just scratching the surface and investigating how private equity has contributed to not only moving these dangerous projects forward, but also supporting a devolving situation of violence in the city, end quote. So, the man known as Torquatita, Pays Tehran. He was part of the social movement that opposed Cop City. Okay, He was an environmental activist. He was peaceable. His death was, according to this article, the first known killing by police of an environmental activist in the U.S. <clears throat> I don't know if that's true or not. Again, this needs to be investigated further. It just does. Now, getting further, because I'm going to make an executive decision right now. We have less than an hour left. We are going to skip the Pentagon story for today. We'll do it next week to go on here. So this is another story. Uh, this is by Tia Brown, Eyes on the Ties, from Little Sis. The, it was um, published November 15, 2022. Uh, <clears throat> it's... The headline is Meet the Major Corporations and Cultural Institutions Helping Build Cop City in Atlanta. 
Um, in 2021, Little Citizen Color of Change profiled, get this, 1,400 corporate connections, quote, to 22 major police foundations across the United States. The, I'm just reading straight from it, quote, these connections spanned every industry, including telecommunications, real estate, finance, big tech, and oil and gas, as well as universities, sports franchises, and cultural institutions, end quote. Now, keep in mind, according to this article, the United States spends more than $100 billion with a B on policing every single year. But police foundations, you know, again, the, the actual quote I read a few minutes ago, quote, act as a back channel for corporate and wealthy interests by funding policing even further, okay? Uh, adding to already overinflated budgets without any required public oversight, approval, or accountability, these foundations fundraise millions each year with little transparency and provide a slush fund for the police. The funding contributes to police militarization through the purchase of weapons, body armor, and controversial surveillance uh, technology, such as predictive policing software, end quote. I like what Little Sis wrote, and you know, basically the phrase slush fund for the police is accurate. That's what it is, in my opinion. Hmm. A little more water. Again, the clearest example is in Atlanta. They're talking again about Cop City. Um, and this training facility, according to this piece, the year old, would feature the following, quote, a mock village, an emergency vehicle driving course, firing range, and an area for explosives training, end quote. Um, and keep in mind, the Atlanta Police Foundation, according to this report, is footing a lot of the bill, but the people of Atlanta are going to be forced to pay an additional $30 million, okay, even though there's vocal community opposition, as to, and it's, it's right there. So um, the corporate backers and directors, you've got UPS, Georgia State University, Inspire Brands, Inspire Brands, they spoke before, again, the, the Fast food franchises under their umbrella include Arby's, Buffalo Wild Wings, Jimmy John's, Dunkin' Donuts, and Baskin Robbins. Okay. And their CEO, Paul Brown, sits on the Atlanta Police Foundation Board of Trustees. Okay. Waffle House, Wells Fargo, J.P. Morgan, Home Depot, Delta Airlines, I've read these before, Atlanta Hawks, and State Farm Arena. Amazon, Axon, Axon was before known as Taser. Okay, that makes sense. Chick-fil-A, okay, and it goes on and on and on. And, you know, there's another report here, and this is from October 21st, 2021, also from Little Sis, and it deals with how police foundations are threatening democracy everywhere with corporate money. That's what they're established for, really. This was a report published, another report published October 21st, 2021, written by Derek Seidman. The headline is, New Report from Color of Change in Little Sis Maps, Widespread Corporate Backing of Police Foundations in Major Cities. Okay, and they showed the first page of it. Police Foundations, a Corporate-Sponsored Threat to Democracy and Black Lives. That is the name of the report. Okay. Make no mistake about it. And this is a follow-up from their 2020 research releases. 
that were also titled, titled Corporate Backers of the Blue, How Corporations Bank, Bankroll U.S. Police Foundations, and another report titled Fossil Fuel Industry Pollutes Black and Brown Communities While Propping Up Racist Policing. Okay, this report, now, the report that police... Police Foundations, this is the one we're talking about now, a corporate-sponsored threat to democracy and black lives. And this report is released on the 50th anniversary of the founding of the New York City Police Foundation. So the New York City Police Foundation was uh, created in 1971. It was, the idea was to privately fund the city's police force. You have to understand something that, you have to understand something. If it's a public entity, it should not be receiving private dollars because that's bribery, pure and simple. Okay, that's what it is. So there are key analysis from the new report. Um, again, they named the corporate donors and event sponsors, including donors from Wall Street that included Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, BlackRock, SunTrust, Wells Fargo, and J.P. Morgan Chase. There were corporate donors from the fossil fuel, oil, and gas industry, including Chevron, Shell, Marathon, Exelon, DTE Energy. There were corporate donors from real estate and development, including Cushman and Wakefield, CBRE, Colliers, Newmark, Boston Properties. Again, uh, corporate donors from retail and restaurants, including Starbucks, Target, White Castle, Coca-Cola, Wendy's, Chick-fil-A, Waffle House. Donors from tech, including Amazon, Facebook, Lyft, Uber, Microsoft, Google. And donors from media and communications, including Verizon, AT&T, Motorola, Disney, Comcast, Viacom, Fox News, and the New York, and the New York Times. Jesus. Okay, I love little sis. I'm going to say that right now. They have my blessings. You need to actually read the report, okay? This is just a synopsis. Um, and, you know, it, it, there was a 2021 survey, for instance, there were uh, 58 police foundations, and this was by the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, and they found that 64%, quote, reported funding canine or mounted units, 14% funded weapons, 9% gun te- detection technology, such as shot spotter, and 80% funded the ambiguous technology and equipment, Okay. Uh, and this article goes on, quote, in our review, we found technology and equipment to include controversial surveillance technology, SWAT gear, and LRAD acoustic weapons. Jesus. Those of you who don't know what LRAD is, it's an acoustic weapon. And if they let it loose on you, it can permanently destroy your hearing. And it often does. I'm just, it can cause major seizures. It's It's something that, again... I've written about this, and this is basically bringing the militarized abuse that happened in Fallujah to Main Street USA. Make no mistake about it. And there's no legitimacy behind this. Definitely read this report from Little Sis and Color of Change titled, quote, Police Foundations, a Corporate-Sponsored Threat to Democracy and Black Lives. Okay. Definitely do yourself a big favor. All right, I'm going to check our time right now. Okay, we actually do have time to do the Pentagon story. I hope you learned something from our Cop series, Cop City series. Um, we're going to be doing more on that, but not in the near future. 
So do yourself a favor and list all three programs. All right, so now, this is the story <laughs> I heard I was good Lord. Um, the Pentagon spent over $50,000 for a freaking trash can. I kid you not. Um, and this is, it's really absurd. There's a piece from POGO, which is the Project on Government Oversight. And again, lawmakers are, you know, this was written by, okay, let me back up here. There is an article by POGO, Project on Government Oversight. It was, uh, this article was published in August of 2022, last summer. It was written by Julia Gledhill. And the headline is, Lawmakers Work to Prevent Military Price Gouging After Years of Accommodating Industry. Congress is looking toward financial incentives to help the Pentagon make smarter contracting decisions, end quote. Okay, what a pile of bullshit. I'm just going to say it right now. Not POGO. POGO does great work, okay? But let, let's get this here. They're talking about different ways to get the Pentagon to do what they're supposed to do in the first place. Now, keep in mind, according to this report, defense contractors, let's call contractors what they are. They're privateers. They're mercenaries. Whether they're soldiers or whether they're companies, their only allegiance is to whoever pays them the most money. They have no allegiance to this country. But defense contractors have apparently overcharged the Pentagon for decades. People joke about it all the time. Now, apparently... Uh, in 1998, the Defense Department, the, the, excuse me, in 1998, so that would have been the Clinton administration, the Defense Department Inspector General found one company, as an example, charging the Pentagon $85.02 for electrical wiring insulation um, that was before sold to the Air Force for $8.51. Okay? That's outrageous. Okay? Um, Congress, there is a mandatory disclosure threshold, and Congress has raised it since the 80s. And that what that is is, quote, the amount the government must spend before companies have to provide the Pentagon with certified cost and pricing information. And it's risen from 100000 in 1994 to $2 million today. Okay, I'm going to stop right here. I want to know why we have this mandatory disclosure threshold where the government has to spend X number of dollars before companies have to provide cost and pricing information? Okay, that's asinine. That's like going into the grocery store and you see a bag of oranges for $5. You pick it up. It's got the price on the oranges as well. You go to the checkout and they go, oh, no, these are, these are $500. But it says $5. Oh, no, you didn't spend enough money to get the, the true price. So now you have to pay $500 if you want the oranges. And guess what? You still have to pay it because we're not going to let you return the oranges. That's essentially what Congress is letting the Department of Defense do, and it is purely F9. You and I aren't allowed to do that. That is absolutely ridiculous. You know, And it's not just me saying it. According to Pogo, quote, direct quote, th quote, this means that far too often the Pentagon can't determine whether the prices it's agreeing to are on par with the market because it doesn't receive certified data from companies with contracts valued under $2 million, end quote. Well, you know what? I understand what they're saying, except the Pentagon offering that as an excuse is just an excuse because if I can look up the information online and find it, 
then all those hordes of people in the Pentagon can, with the top brass can too. You know, generals, admirals, you know, chairman of the Joint Chiefs, they have an entire staff. You know what, you want to know what my staff is here at Progressive News Network? My colleague Rick Spizak and myself. That's it. So there is no excuse here. This is pure robbery, nothing else. Nothing else. It is outrageous. And keep in mind, one of the largest expenditures in our, you know, in our debt is to the military, to these private contractors. This is why we can't have Medicare for all. This is why we can't have a earned income child tax credit. This is why we can't have SNAP benefits. This is why we can't have public health, et cetera, et cetera. At the same time, members of the military, not contractors, but enlisted personnel, their pension plan is being basically dismantled and reduced, but the contractors can rob at will. That's what's going on here. And frankly, I don't care about the high disclosure threshold. I really don't. This just needs to stop. Okay? You know, you read this long article, it's the same thing. It's, It's ludicrous. Now, hero Bernie Sanders is trying to do something about it, okay? And I love Bernie. So there's this piece in, uh, I think it's Common Dreams, and it was written by Jake Johnson. And the headline is, and it it was um, published a few days ago, June 22nd. The headline is, Sanders unveils bill to force Pentagon to pass an audit or return part of its budget. And there's a quote I assume from Bernie, quote, the Pentagon and the military-industrial complex have been plagued, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) by a massive amount of waste, fraud, yeah, and financial mismanagement for decades that is absolutely unacceptable, end quote. Now, it's a bipartisan group led by Bernie Sanders. They introduced this legislation, um, and it would require the Pentagon to return part of their budget to the Treasury Department if they fail another audit in the coming fiscal year. Now, it's called the Audit the Pentagon Act, and it's, um, it, it's an updated version of legislation that was introduced in 2021 uh, when people were more concerned about rampant price gouging by military contractors um, and, it, and abuse at an, agency, at an agency that's set to receive at least $842 billion, with a B, for 2024. Now, this is our lead. Senator Chuck Grassley is working with Bernie Sanders. And um, they set Bernie Sanders and Chuck Grassley uh, issued a statement together as they unveiled the bill. And these are the quotes. Quote, the Pentagon and the military-industrial complex have been plagued by, okay, I read it before, by a massive amount of waste, fraud, and financial mismanagement for decades. This is, that is absolutely unacceptable. If we are serious about spending taxpayer dollars wisely and effectively, we've got to end the absurdity of the Pentagon being the only agency of the federal government that has never passed an independent audit, end quote. End quote. So in December, the Pentagon flunked, they flunked its fifth consecutive audit as documented by Common Dreams. Uh, they couldn't account for over 60% of its total assets, which amount to $3.5 trillion with a as in Tom. Okay? But a lot of members of Congress don't want to do it. Um, actual watchdogs have warned that the deal includes a loophole that they could use to further inflate the Pentagon budget uh, using the, the guise of aiding Ukraine to do it, and that's as documented 
by Common Dreams as well. Okay, so last Wednesday there was a long markup session. The House Armed Services Committee passed its version of the NDAA, which is the National Defense Authorization Act, which is the act that proposes the total military budget. This would have been $886 billion with a B. Of the Democrats, Representative Ro Khanna was the only committee member to vote no. This is outrageous. And a huge chunk of that budget next year is going to go to private contractors. And that's as documented by Jacobin.com. Um, and they make a killing. They, you know, they charge, you know, exorbitant sums for, you know, you've heard about the $10,000 toilet seat, that kind of thing. Uh, Senator Ed Markey was quoted as saying, quote, defense contractors are lining their pockets with taxpayer money while the Pentagon fails time and time again to pass an independent audit. It's a broken system, end quote. He goes on to say, quote, oh, and Markey is a co-sponsor of the new bill as well, along with Sanders and Grassley. Uh, Markey goes on to say, quote, we need to compel the Department of Defense to take fraud and mismanagement seriously, and we need Congress to stop inflating our nation's near trillion dollar defense budget, end quote. Trillion with a T as in Tom. As in terrible. As in tyrant. Markey goes on to say, quote, putting the wants of contractors over the needs of our communities isn't going to make our our country any safer, end quote. Now, if the audit, the Pentagon Act of 2023 passes, it would force, quote, every component of the Defense Department that fails an audit in fiscal year 2024 to return 1% of its budget to the Treasury Department. Okay, I'm going to stop here. And I have a problem with 1%. I'm going to tell you that right now. That's nothing. They should be forced to return every penny. What's more, I would go further than Bernie. This is not enough. The contractors, those that are actually profiteering, not just the contractors, but also top Pentagon brass that, okay, that authorize these deals, and then once they leave the service, they go on to be top execs in these same companies that they've green-lighted these horrible expenses. Again, that's influence peddling. It's graft. And everybody connected with it, not only should they should be forced to return every penny, as well as an in-depth examination for the public to see. But every top brass, I'm not talking the list of people, every top brass from the chair of the Joint Chiefs, every admiral, every general that greenlights that should face criminal investigation and, yes, criminal prosecution with mandatory jail jail sentences. That's what should happen. This is not good enough at all. Okay, that's my diatribe. So now we do have a segment for My Little Margie, and after that we have the Jackass of the Week Award. Okay, we've got 36 minutes. We may make this yet. Okay, so give me a minute here. Hopefully you can hear what I'm actually putting you know, out here that I'm recording. So give me a second. Okay. Give me a minute here. Okay. I'm going to, oops, I'm looking for this. Okay. All right, so here we go. I'll have to read it. Here we go. So now our newest segment, My Little Margie. 
Welcome to PNN's My Little Margie, the wild advent- misadventures of Marjorie Taylor Greene. What will our little Margie do next? The girl with the magnificent guns. Is she taking male hormones? Is she not? Hmm, is she trans? No one knows. Couple that with her Neanderthal brow, and we have My Little Margie. So now the misadventures of... Here we go. Okay, so this week, Marjorie Taylor Greene, our little Margie, was upset that at a conference that she was a speaker, she was upset at this hotel, I think it was TPUSA, Turning Point USA, she was upset that next to the American flag, and I think it was, what, the state, no, the American flag, the flag of the hotel, there was a rainbow flag. So here's my little Margie, here we go. such a moron. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah? Oh, the Texas flag. Oh, my goodness! <laughs> Come on. Yeah? Go, Marge! Shame on them! Shame on them! Why? Preach, Margie, preach. What is your little pea brain saying? Go, Margie. Go, Margie. It's your birthday. She's so freaking stupid. Okay, I'm going to turn her off because I can only listen to so much of this nonsense. So Margie's upset because there was a rainbow flag. And shame on the Gaylord Hotel where Turning Point USA was holding their conference where she was, I guess it's speaking. And, you know... Gosh, the rainbow flag was every bit as big as the American flag. Because, of course, in little Margie's deluded pea brain, you know, white Christian USA can do no wrong. And, you know, the poor deer just can't help it. You know, that Neanderthal brow first just doesn't allow for development of, you know, a fully sized functional brain. So her gray matter, you know, is a little, you know, on the light side. But... Again, that's what our little Margie, we're going to turn again. Here we go. So apparently, it shouldn't be about what people do sexually that causes us to hang a flag. Okay. So, hmm, let me think. Dumb Donnie Trump, dumb Donnie Trump then, by her estimation, should not hang a flag of his perverted, twisted penis every time he forcibly scores on a woman, huh? You know, it's called every time he forces himself on a woman, he shouldn't keep score. I don't know. But that's I, that's what it sounds like she's saying. Let's, let's talk a little more. Okay, let me get this straight. See, little Margie, she really doesn't understand how stupid she is or how hypocritical because apparently the only flags in Margie land that can fly fly are the United States flag and the state flag. So if you want to put up a flag about your kid being an honor student, the thought police are going to be coming after you. That's Margie world. But you know what? She can't help it. 
I mean, let's be honest here. Our little Margie, you know, again, we have to wonder about the deer, you know, those big arms. You know, is she taking male hormones? Is she trans? We don't know. And then, you know, again, the Neanderthal brow. And I keep repeating myself because of once again, whatever verbal excrement comes out of Marjorie Taylor Greene's mouth, you know, we know it's garbage. And again, but that's the new ignorant thing. You know, I guess it was a slow week for her, right? So once again, that is our little episode of My Little Margie. Oh, Margie, what will you do next? You know, there just aren't enough rubber rooms to place her and her followers. But it's just, this, it's sad. It really is. But as long as Marjorie Taylor Greene is in the Congress, we will continue to mock and debase because that's our, go ahead, Vern. There you go. That's our little Margie. Okay, so now we're going to move back here. We're getting ready for our Jackass of the Week Award, and we have a very special Jackass this week. We just do. Now, you know, once again, let me grab, I have to go to our little recording. Give me a minute here, folks. You know, this is, you have to remember, okay, this is done live. Okay, there is, you know, there's no whatever, okay? So, make sure I got that here. Give me a minute here. Uh, I know, just bear with me, folks. This, give me a minute here. Okay, so we've got it here. So, our next jackass of the week oh my god here we go now here we go tnn's jackass of the week awards oh my goodness this week we have a very special jackass i mean one that you all have come to know and detest that is if you have any conscience at all and that is this week's Jackass of the Week goes to the big palooka himself, dumb Donnie Trump. Now, our Donald just can't keep that stupid mouth of his shut. His mindless minions claim that the present criminal prosecutions he's facing are a witch hunt. But, sweetie, they're not, and that's just because they don't have to be, as our Donald is hanging himself. His excuses are, frankly, confessions, but... You know what? Don't just trust my word for it. Let's go to roving reporter, fashion maven, and fabulous political analyst Randy Rainbow as he offers his erudite and funny political commentary on Donald Jessica Trump. Here is his latest interview. Take it away, Randy.
<laughs> okay. So, anyway, ah, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed Randy Rainbow as much as I did. He is hilarious. Um, and right on target. I couldn't have mocked Donald anymore. Anyway, that's our show for today. Um, I just wanted to say final commentary. You know, it's been a week since Juneteenth. Actually, it'll be a week on Monday. And, you know, there's been massive shootings on Juneteenth. This nation has to come to terms with systemic racism. Just has to. And as long as there are reporters like myself, I will not back down. I will report honestly about this, and I don't give a damn what crazy law they try and pass that would silence the First Amendment. Not going to happen. Not going to happen at all. So I hope you enjoyed our show today. I hope you learned something. Um, Tune in. Again, all our shows are archived. And with and, and again we're gonna be covering more and more. So next week it's gonna be we're gonna have a, a an interview that uh, my colleague Rick Spizak did with Professor Wendy Williams. And um we're going to have that. Professor Wendy will be there. Good long interview. And um with that I say try and keep your chin up. Stay brave, stay strong. Know that the bigots won't win unless we stop fighting. Okay? This is nothing like it. What they're they're calling a culture war is not a culture war at all. It is unabashed, not just racism, it's unabashed neo-Nazism. And you cannot remain neutral. You have to pick a side. And this this, uh, broadcast will always be against such Nazism, no matter what. With that, I say good night and bless us because we are going to need it.